Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, family, and thank you so much for tuning back into another amazing segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me is my special guest, Janet Foreman, and here's a bit about Janet. She is a journalist and film producer, winner of more than 60 writing and photography awards, including two Lowell Thomas gold medals and a silver, the 2014 Bill Muster gold medal for best cultural photo and the 2011 Bill Muster photo gold medal for her single subject portfolio on Abu Dhabi. She was also named Pacific Asia Travel Association Journalist of the Year 2000. She has received awards from Solas, Naja, N-A-T-J-A, the governments of Belgium and South Africa, and numerous S-A-T-W Eastern Chapter. First place awards Foreman Holes and MFA from NYU's Tisch School of Arts and writes from the Brownstone. She renovated in Harlem, New York. And you can find out more information by going to JanetForeman.com, which will definitely be in the show notes. And today, Janet is going to talk about fearless travel. What does that look like? What are some of her experiences and how you can do it too? So without further ado, please welcome Janet Foreman to Jumps Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Um, So uh, I guess I should tell you how I started traveling or what happened, sort of two cataclysmic events that happened when I started traveling. I was was in college and um, I wanted to take my college trip to Europe. And I was with a girlfriend and um, we went over like two college girls. We had our little suitcases and, <laughs> you know, just um, we, did, we, we didn't know what to expect, but we weren't, I don't know, we kind of felt like everybody else that was on this little chartered plane for $200. Um, and um, when we got to London, of course, we had not reserved a place to stay because that was not really done. <laughs> you just you just went. Um, and I figured I'd figure out where to lay my head someplace else. So we all got, uh, we all went to this sort of, it was, it was way below a hostel. It was, I think somebody called it a hostel, but it was really like mattress to mattress. <laughs> And it was, oh, wow. it was fun. I mean, it was fun because uh, a lot of kids from the flight, they th- well, what are you going to say? We're going to say, I, I don't know. And then we all kind of got shoveled off to this, uh, this place. And um, when we got there, we noticed that the European kids looked very different than we did. Um, they, nobody had a suitcase. They all had backpacks. Um, and nobody, and everybody was going to be hitchhiking. So we, um, said, well, all right. So we, 
we ditched our suitcases. We bought backpacks. Um, luckily, I had a sleeping bag because one thing, my, my parents were very laissez-faire about the whole thing, which I couldn't believe. But anyway, um, my, but my father did say, take a good sleeping bag. So I took, I got, I took a really good sleeping bag. And uh, boy, did I really need it because <laughs> we uh, start, got out, started, we had our itinerary or, you know, the places we wanted to go, no reservations or anything, and certainly no Europe pass. <laughs> um, like the, I don't know, a lot of, a Europe pass was kind of expensive then, I guess it's sort of still is, but for a student, um, even though a lot of kids that were around me had one, that, that's how they were traveling. Uh, they thought that was sort of daring, but I didn't buy one because I said, geez, $600, that sounds like an awful lot of money. I think that's all I had for the summer. <laughs> so um, we didn't, we just were gonna go and take trains or whatever we were gonna take. And, um, but we really never thought of hitchhiking. And so that's, we just did what everybody else our age seemed to be doing. And we got out on the road and of course it was raining and we had to go, uh, we wanted to go to um, Amsterdam and we had to cross the English Channel. And that meant we had to go up above London in, in like an industrial area uh, to Harwich, which is, um, a good distance from London. I mean, a couple of hours, and we got out on the on the road. We, we took the train, the you know the um, local transport up to the edge of the city. We got out on the road, and we started hitchhiking. And you know, with um, it was mostly truckers that stopped for us, but um, it was fine. They were nice, um, and we got. We got on the boat. We did the same thing in Amsterdam, and um, we we go to we went to Hook of Holland, Harwich to Hook of Holland, and um, everybody was hitchhiking. I mean the the crowd, the um, uh, highway on ramps were like like a bus stop. Wow! <laughs> I mean, they were like usually there were like. A dozen people there. So Janet, let me ask a question before you continue on. So whenever you ditch your suitcase and then you said, okay, we're going to be like the rest of the Europeans and we're going to do what they're doing. So you got backpacks and you started hitchhiking. What were your um, aspects when it came to safety? Because here you are in a foreign country. You obviously don't know these people. And we know that some places around the world, they're not very conducive to Americans. So did you have any thoughts or fear in your mind? Because that is very scary to do in a foreign country. And then you mentioned a lot of the people that picked you all up were truckers. Well, it, it's very interesting. Um, the safety issue, it was in the back of our minds, but since everybody was doing it, um, we figured what could go wrong, you know? <laughs> of course, later on in one of those parts of the world that was really not so safe, not because 
it was unsafe, but because it was in the then Yugoslavia. And um, we were trying to get um, from this boat we took to, uh, to Greece. And we, um, so we took, we took a, a boat and then we were, um, we actually got lost and in Yugoslavia, they didn't speak anything resembling English, French, German, Italian, you know, and we'd usually been asking for the Bahnhof because we were supposed to get some sort of bus that was near the train station. They didn't understand Bahnhof. And we just got, we ended up on a donkey cart. And the problem there was that it was culturally so different. It was tribal, it was really tribal area. And, and they really didn't see many Europeans. Um, I guess we kind of got lost and kind of crossed into the area where the, we kind of got lost because we were asking for the, um, the Banhoff. They didn't understand, they sent us in the wrong direction. And we ended up in really kind of the outback. And we were wearing, just like everybody else, we were wearing t-shirts and cut off jeans. And, you know, just like every European student, when I say cut off jeans, I don't mean up to my <laughs> hips. I mean, you know, we're really quite modest for, for um, European students, but they thought we were like prostitutes. And they just kept, you know, everywhere we went, people were trying to take us into their houses and I mean in a bad way not in a nice way <laughs> and um they thought we were just ready to have fun and we then we got separated the two of us and somehow we ended up we're still trying to get back I, we, of course no there are no cell phones there are no you know and I, 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 the worst part was when the two of us were separated. And then I it was all day and I was, I hadn't eaten. I, it was really hot. Uh, I was exhausted. Finally, I was sort of taken to a house and they kind of locked me in. And um, I, I climbed out a window when a guy was, um, the guy would kind of had walked away or left and there was just this kind of old lady there so I just jumped out of the window and took my backpack and just started hiking through the forest and to a road trying to look for a road and then I saw some it was hard enough to even express road <laughs> and I found these people picnicking and and tried to make myself understood and they they pointed through the forest in a direction I finally I found the road and I was walking 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 for hours it felt like and um and then some people came out of the nowhere and they pointed down the road and they said your friend your friend and I, I didn't know what they were talking about but way way down the road was my friend <laughs> And wow. somehow we had gotten separated, but and we got back on the same road because there was probably just one road in that area. So we we found her. That was the happiest moment of my life when I found her. And um, 
then we had to get back to, uh, we had to get back and it was getting dark and we, there was no transportation of any sort. So what do we do? We had a hitchhike. So we <laughs> started hitchhiking again. We got a ride from a not so friendly trucker who kept trying to grab us. And finally, we couldn't make it. He went through the town and then up into the mountains again. And we said, oh, this, this, this is not good. So we said to him, we saw some water and we said to him, oh, we want to go swimming. So we figured he thought we would be like taking our clothes off. Mm -hmm. And um, so he stopped the truck. I grabbed the keys. I threw it down a ravine, threw them down a ravine. We jumped out of the truck, grabbed our packs from, they were in the back of the truck. And then we rolled down the hill, <laughs> literally rolled down the hill where I threw the keys. And he was, we saw him up there, he was this big fat guy. And we, we were hoping that he wouldn't try to come after us and he didn't. And he was fuming and fuming about his keys, about his keys. and. Uh, we just stayed there for like hours until he maybe found another set of keys or got somebody, I don't know. But finally, finally, he went away. And um, then we had to get back to town. So we had a hitchhike again. <laughs> Let's pause here because this is a lot of information and content, um, Janet. So you've, you reunited with your friend after escaping from being locked in a house. So you jumped out of the window, go through the forest. By this point, you still haven't um, eaten anything, right? I don't think I ate for 24 hours. <laughs> oh my God. How did you find the strength to just keep on going? Because this kind of sounds like a movie. Like it reminds me of the movie Taken. Have you ever seen that movie Taken? Second? No, Taken, T-A-K-E-N. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's like a thriller where um, the guy, I think he's a former CIA agent or FBI and his daughter gets taken and he goes on a hunt across the world to track to track her down oh, and et cetera. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I don't think I saw it, but I remember. Yeah, right. Yeah, so as you're talking um, through your story, I was like, oh my gosh, she was like in a real life taken experience. And then you have this run-in with this bad trucker and then you need to get back to the destination where you came from. So y'all have to hitchhike again. So did your friend eat or did she get locked in a house or? Well, she, she, she had actually worse experiences. Some guy took her into the forest and tried to rape her at knife point. But she, when I found her, she had eaten uh, because she, somebody rescued her and took her to a little shop and they gave her food and um, they gave her food. And it's not that we didn't have money to buy food. It was just, you know, so she, she was eating like a sandwich and drinking a Coke. But I said, well, let's just get out of here. So, I mean, you, and you just, you, I mean, what? adrenaline just keeps pumping through you and um I don't know I was 18 years old so I you know <laughs> was young enough to withstand uh young enough to miss a meal um a young whippersnapper for sure so then all of this um 
definitely helped you like gain experience and knowledge with fearless travel as a whole. So after these experiences and, you know, you successfully make it back to your destination, what encouraged you to keep on traveling? And did you keep on backpacking around the country to different places or walk us through some of your other fearless travels? Well, the the upside of it was we just kept being harassed and harassed and harassed in this area, in this part of Yugoslavia. So then finally, we found ourselves a hotel. We slept the night. People are trying to climb into our balcony. Um, it was kind of, so we said, let's just get out of here. Finally, we found the train station and we were really scared. I mean, we were really, um, I mean, we had to go on because there was we were in no we were in the middle of nowhere. So we figured we just keep going down to Greece, with, as we planned. But when we got to the station, we saw two, and this this is very anti-feminist, but <laughs> we saw these two backpacks that uh, with Dutch flags and very big sneakers, and nobody around them. And so we were looking at the backpacks, and we said. These are two English speaking large boys. <laughs> we figured out from the um, from the backpacks. And so we said, okay, we're just gonna sit here and we're gonna be their friends <laughs> um, when they come back. And we don't know who they are, but we're just gonna attach ourselves to these two guys. And we did, and that was in the 60s, the 1960s, and they're they're still my friends. Wow. Well, that's a really incredible upside. So um, they're your friends. Did y'all marry these guys or y'all are just platonic no, friends? No, we didn't. But um, but we just became like sisters and brother. My, my friend actually went back home and had a normal life. But um, we went back. Uh, I just fell in love with the idea of Europe. And I, I moved to Holland in between college and graduate school. I moved to Holland and lived with, with um, well, they, they were in, at university and they were in uh, fraternities. Now, uh, it's called the Studenten House. So I moved into one of their Studenten Houses and began kind of a life with a whole circle of friends in Holland that I still have to this day. That's incredible. And for anyone that's aspiring to travel, but they may not necessarily want to do it the fearless way, what are some tips and advice that you could give them to travel, whether they're backpacking and they really want to make the best out of their travel experience, but do it safely? Because um, some people do the air, um, well, some places, I don't know if they have Airbnbs around the world, but they have hostels, but like, mm -hmm just putting yourself in a place and not really knowing the people, not knowing the security around it, that kind of freaks me out a little bit, but you can really vacation for cheap if you use a hostel. Yeah, um, I think hostels, you know, I haven't been, I, I even rarely stayed in hostels then because they were $2 a night and that was really, I camped by the side of the road or stayed with people. But I think hostels are a good idea and well, basically ask people that look to you like you want to be like them you know ask them where they've been what's a good place to go where should i eat what should i do um there was a place in the 60s in uh istanbul called the pudding shop 
and everybody knew about the pudding shop and it was a place where people went well all of the hippies would gather at the pudding shop and it was a must to go there before you started going to Afghanistan or India because that's most many 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 of the people in Istanbul um at that time were on their way to to the far east to um Afghanistan and India. And uh, if you went to the pudding shop, you would find people that had done the trip and however, by bus, by hitchhiking, by, well, you couldn't really hitchhike. You know, you had to basically take a funky bus, but yeah, there was a lot that you had to know. And uh, if you went to the pudding shop, you found these people that had done it and a lot, a lot of people that were going to do it and, um, there was all kinds of notices on the on the wall. We, we're driving to Afghanistan. We need a fifth person to share guests. Blah, blah, blah. So it was a meeting place. So um, find the meeting place, which is often the hostel. Talk to people that you feel are like you or like you would want to be, and ask them what's what's fun, or and ask them what not to do. Um, I mean, there are. Later, later, later in my travel life, when I started going to the Middle East, um, there were a lot of rules about, I mean, I didn't have to dress, I mean, I didn't go to Saudi Arabia, but I went to Dubai and um, Abu Dhabi and places like that. And, and I was told very seriously, do not wear tight fitting clothes. In other words, what I'm wearing, like what I'm wearing now, um, I couldn't wear because it's you see too much of this. You know, you, you should wear t-shirts up to here and don't wear. I always wear uh, gym tights. Don't wear gym tights. Don't wear tight jeans. Um, you know, because it will offend the people. They won't um, arrest you or anything in those places, uh, but it will offend them, and and you won't you know, they won't want to talk to you. But if you dress modestly, and here's modest, it's this, 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 and this, um, that don't let your shoulder, don't leave your shoulders bare, even though it's blazing hot. Um, even it's just your arm, even your whole arm. Don't wear sunglasses when you go into a mosque, because it hides your eyes. When you go into a temple, or a mosque in Asia, it's poor form to wear sunglasses. All of these things that you would never think of. Um, people will tell, they'll just come out and tell you, even if you don't ask, but you have to kind of connect with the right people. Thank you for sharing that, Janet. And have you thought about writing a book about like the do's and don'ts when traveling abroad? Because um, you have so much knowledge and experience <laughs> that you have. Um, acquired over the years you've been doing it since you're since you were 18 and where do you currently live now what's your home base uh harlem new york okay harlem new york and before harlem you were in holland for some right no well i was on the upper west so i was in new york and i bounced back and forth between new york and la and but no i lived in holland between college and graduate school when i was like 19 20 Oh, okay. So you had that international stint um, in your earlier days. I, I came back to uh, to go to graduate school, and uh, but but still went to Europe for long stretches. Um, you know, and stayed with my friends. 
and and just also traveled around with my husband. Usually when we go, I'm sent on trips all the time, um, you know, by the country, by press trips, but, um, and they pay my way. But when I go uh, with my husband and, and we're paying and it's just us, we usually rent a house somewhere. And um, we rent a house for at least a week and we just stay in one place and, and travel out, you know, get to know that area. So just going back to the question, because that's really cool. Um, do you think that you'll write a, a book or a blog with like insider insider edition kind of tips on this well, is what you should know? Yeah, well, that's kind of my, I haven't written a book, but um, for the last 30 years, at first I was a film producer for about 15 years. And then for about 30 years, uh, I've been a, a travel writer and I've been writing for exactly that for all of the big travel magazines uh, all over the world. So I haven't written a book, but I've written hundreds and I, I can't say thousands, but hundreds of articles that are that. <laughs> and thank you for sharing. And at the end, I definitely want you to plug that information. And here's our wild card question before we jump into the call to action, Janet. So recently on the on the news, we've heard about three Americans that were found dead in the Bahamas at Emerald Emerald Bay. What are your thoughts that, on that um, story? If you're familiar with it. Oh, was that you know? Um, hmm. I haven't read, I heard about that and I haven't read today's paper, but it sounded like, wasn't it an illness thing? Was it a... So they were feeling ill and they got checked out and then mysteriously they wound up dead. So one was a husband and wife and they were, they had a travel agent agency. And then another one was another American. And I, I didn't read too far into it, but it was just cool. It was just so weird that they all found up um, dead on the same, same resort in the Bahamas, Emerald Bay, and it was a Sandals property. So I know there's a lot of speculation around that because Sandals is a top brand and a lot of people love vacationing at the Sandals. So I just yeah. wanted to just get your opinion or um, if you don't know that much about it, we'll just leave the conversation there for now. Well, you know, the same thing happened in, I think it was the Dominican Republic. Um, Dominican Republic, where people got sick and a couple of them died at a high-end resort. And there's really nothing you can say about that because really to be absolutely straightforward, if you want to be, if you want to take the safe side, the safest side, go stay at a five-star resort because they don't want anything to happen to you. They will go to the end of the earth to make sure nothing happens to their guests. They have security up the wazoo. Um, they have, you know, food safety rules that sound crazy sometimes. So this is just such a... It's very out, bizarre. Very bizarre. I mean, it still it sounds like there was some sort of food I would say food born illness if they were nauseous from the from the symptoms I heard and it just it, it happens so rarely I mean the thing is 
you can't prevent that one time that it happens just like you can't prevent being on a plane crash and the one in a zillion gazillion times that it happens if you stay on quote safe airlines you know the big airlines um it's just uh it, it, there's no way to prevent it because you've taken the safest route and you've taken all precautions and there's a higher much higher percentage that you're going to get sick or die or if you take the the lesser more adventurous um road but that's more fun <laughs> you know you gotta you take you do take chance you take i guess the moral is you take chances when you travel, you take chances when you cross the street. There's a higher chance of getting something bad happening when you're taking a dicier situation and a much, much smaller um, uh, chance of something happening if you take the very safe road. And that's why you're reading about it in the paper because it's so unusual. And thank you for sharing that. And as we come to a close with uh, about five minutes remaining, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. Yeah, well, um, I would say it seems safe to start traveling again. And I think, and I'm talking about um, COVID and I'm talking about um, war. I think, you know, people have been staying home for two more than two years. And they're getting um, not just stir crazy, but sort of narrow minded, you know, like there's nothing. There's no place like home sort of thing. And you just you don't grow and you don't um, uh, learn if you don't step out of your comfort zone. Um, and I think earlier, it was stupid, you know, to travel. And even now, I wouldn't go near the um, Ukraine, any place near the Ukraine, because that's, I don't think you're going to see, you're not going to see a normal world. And, and I think you may interfere with the... Um, the efforts there, like in Poland, for example, they're taking so many refugees and they're so busy. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think it's the time to go to places like Poland. Um, but I think it's okay. I mean, as long as you mask up when they tell you to mask up and, and you know, uh, I think you can eat from roadside stands as long as you follow the normal rude, uh, rule for roadside stands, especially in Asia. It's much safer to eat from roadside stands in Asia. Um, I think it's okay to go traveling again. Um, so you can just get your passport and then get it early because it's going to take a while <laughs> these days um, and just go. I don't think you can hitchhike anymore though. <laughs> Janet, for anyone that is interested in connecting with you more and learning about the travel articles that you write and et cetera, please plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media, if any. Okay, yeah, my website and um, just my website. They can see what they can see and they can um, contact me through the website if they like. Okay, and what's your website, Janet? Oh, it's um, it's my name, Janet Foreman, um, at 
JanetForman.com. That's the website. And there you have it, listeners and viewers. You just heard Janet Foreman share her fearless travel from when she was going abroad to various places. And then she also writes articles. Um, So definitely go tap in with her. All of her contact information, her website will be there. And then you could kind of figure out what you need from there and then just branch out. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. And you can see all things video component over on YouTube by just typing at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.